0: What's going on, everybody? I'm Howard Bender. I've got the GM Jim Bowden by my side. Welcome into Fantasy Alarms Front Office Insights, our MLB team-by-team breakdowns to help get you ready for the fantasy baseball season, especially with the fantasy baseball drafts probably creeping up on you as we speak. We go today down to Houston. We're talking to the uh the Houston, we're talking about the Houston Astros, the defending. Major League Baseball World Series champions. And, well, Jim, this team is just, you know, stacked. Absolutely stacked from top to bottom. Uh, last season, they won 106 games. Only lost 56. That's uh, so impressive. So impressive there. Um, and then they turn around and they go... and I, 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 Spoiler alert. They add Jose Abreu to this team here, Jim. So talk to me about... Houston's uh, Houston's off season and uh, and what your expectations are from them uh, this season.
1: Yeah, I want to start with Jose Abreu. As you mentioned, a three-year, fifty-eight and a half million dollar deal, and this is a guy that's had you know spent his entire career hitting close to three hundred with thirty homers on hundred RBIs. And although he had a little bit of down year power wise, home run wise, he didn't double wise, and he he swung the bat really well. And he's going to an elite lineup a lineup that's used to the postseason, a lineup that has Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley when he's healthy. And so that's going to mean runs and RBIs loaded up for a brave. now the other thing is that short left field um, dimensions down there at minute Maid park where that train goes with all the oranges Abreu brave. It's a whole bunch of balls, right? Right. That got caught in left field in Chicago. That's going to be a Homer in that ballpark. So, Bray's value is just consistent and I can argue it's going to be better than it's been the last couple of years. So I think he's a real good bargain where he get, goes in ADP at first base. I really do. So I'm glad you brought that up. They did lose Justin Verlander in free agency. That was a mistake for a team that won the World Series. They should have brought, brought him back on a two-year deal. I think Houston erred there. Um, Verlander's having a great spring, by the way. And I can argue Verlander may, may be the best pitcher in fantasy this year, the way he's throwing the baseball right now. But anyway, getting back to what they did, they brought back uh, Rafael Montero, who sets up Ryan Presley on a three-year deal, $34.5 million. And then you say, to me, well, why is that important? He's a setup guy. Well, he's the next man up to get saves in Houston. So if Presley were to falter, Montero's a guy you want. If you draft Presley, I would handcuff him with Montero to protect yourself. Um, I think that'd be a smart play there. Um, What else did they do? They brought Bradley back one year, $12 million, and then that, that, that's really it. They made a, a small move getting outfielder uh, blind Madrid from Detroit, but that's really insignificant. That had more to do about a roster move. So, yeah, that, that was the moves. But, Howard, to your point, this team was so good, they didn't have to do anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they downgrade losing Verlander, but they upgrade strong on the offense with adding Jose Abreu. So let's talk about, from a fantasy standpoint, Uh, Behind the plate, Martin Maldonado. First base is Jose Abreu, Jose Altuve at second, Bregman at third. Uh, Jeremy Pena, who had a fantastic season for himself last year at shortstop. Um, And then you've got Jordan Alvarez, uh, Kyle Tucker, and then there's there's obviously Chaz McCormick, seems to be the one penciled in right now uh, for center field. And then you've got Michael Brantley, who's, Banged up right now, and uh, and any of those guys could end up as the uh, as the designated hitter. Well, I tell you, Jim, uh, you know Tucker and Alvarez are first round draft choices. Abreu is a top six first baseman. Bregman probably sits in the uh, in the top ten or twelve of third base, uh, and then Jose Altuve still rated as the uh, the number one fantasy second baseman. So there's a lot of fantasy deliciousness around here.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I'd love to to have an infield that had a Bray Hall, Tuve, and Bregman in fantasy. I'd love to have Tucker and Alvarez in my outfield. I mean, I love love those five guys in particular. And I think that Jake Myers could be a sleeper, right? Right now, he and Chaz McCormick are going to probably play center and left with uh, Brantley on the IL and Alvarez coming back with a hand injury. So they'll get an opportunity to, to compete. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you want to take Tucker Alvarez in the first round, I'm with you. You get Altuve at second, yeah, you got the best second baseman. I think Bregman bounces back, and I think the way the Astros are handling Altuve and Bregman's contract situation, they're going to be playing for a contract. So they have incentive to put up another good year as they try to win. So, Position player-wise, yeah, they're in a really good position, and you want to have as many of those five Astros as you possibly can have because it's not just the fact that they're going to put up good numbers. It's the fact they all help each other. We talk about the importance of a stacked lineup. That's where runs and RBIs come in. That's two of the five categories, and the more star hitters you have surrounding each other, the more the runs and RBIs go up. So that's why when you see a team like the Astros or a team like the Padres you want, you want to be able to get that stack because they're, they're, they're not just going to hit homers or steal bases. They're going to get you those other two important categories. And then their averages also go up because nobody can pitch around them, so you got to pitch to them. Yes. And, and so that's why, again, if it comes close, like the thing I try to explain to people, I love Rafael Devers, the third baseman of Boston. Absolutely love him. He's one of my favorite hitters in the game, right? But there's nobody around him. So I'd rather let someone else take Devers early. I'll take Bregman later because I know what's around Bregman in the lineup. He's got a better chance to score and drive runs in because of
0: what's around him, even if Devers is a better hitter at this point. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you know, we talk about that, you know, with with surrounding lineup and and where to go. I I like the fact that you mentioned stacking. So if anybody out there is talking DFS – Um, that's definitely uh, an angle to take. Let me ask you this one here. Um, In the first round, both Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker are first-round picks. I've seen, you know, obviously with Alvarez and and dealing with, he's just started uh, swinging a bat, um, you know, and getting himself back into, uh, you know, into proper form uh, here in the spring. Who do you take first in, in that one there? Do you take Tucker because he's got the speed, or do you take Alvarez because he's got more power?
1: Reality, I take Alvarez. Fantasy, I like t- I, I take Tucker. Uh, I love that you asked me that question because it's such the, such the stark difference um, between reality and fantasy. Jordan Alvarez is a better hitter with more power. There is no reason why Alvarez can't, when healthy, and I'm not saying he's going to be healthy this year, but when healthy, mm-hmm. he can hit 300 with 40 homers and 120 RBIs. He is that good. But in fantasy, Kyle Tucker, when you get 30 homers and 30 steals and maybe 35, 35, you combine that with a good batting average. Um, that's that's more valuable. He'll he'll score more runs and he'll be in the ballpark RBI. So, in if you're asking me reality, I'm going to take you on Alvarez and I'm hit, hitting him third and looking forward to the damage. But in fantasy, that stolen base category where Alvarez doesn't give you any numbers and Tucker gives you 30, that changes the dimension of your fantasy team. So I take Tucker, no doubt, ahead of Alvarez in fantasy, and I take Alvarez over Tucker in reality.
0: Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Let's go to the pitcher's mound uh, and let's talk about it. With the loss of Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, he steps in as the, uh, as the number one. Yeah, Christian Javier Luis Garcia Jose Urquiti, Hunter Brown. Uh, Lance McCullers still uh still dealing with injury right now, so he's not going to be back for uh, a little while. Uh talk to me here about the rotation. Can Framber Valdez be your anchor ace in fantasy?
1: Um no. Uh if he's your number 2 starter your or 3 starter, I like it. One of the things, and I like Framber. And look, I'm, I'm the first one to say that I think he and Carlos Rodon are the two best left handed pi- starting pitchers in the American League. So understand, I love Framber. Framber is a tremendous ground ball rate. The The lack of the shift, banning the shift, is going to hurt him more than most pitchers okay. just because of how many ground balls he gets. So there will be regression in the RA. That being said, he should lead this team in wins. And we'll have a respectable ERA. It's not going to be amongst the leader in strikeouts. You know, a guy like Rodon's going to strike out more, as an example, when he's on the mound and healthy. But I like Framber Valdez a lot. You know, I kind of feel like in fantasy you need to focus on strikeout guys. You know, when you take that anchor, your anchor, you want to have 200-plus strikeouts with that anchor, I think. Right. Um, but again, I would love to have him, and if wins is part of the formula that you're playing in in a five by five, for an example, Aldez has as good a chance of winning fifteen to twenty as anybody else. Uh, because even with the with the uh, the shift band, Altuve has great range at second, Pena's got great range at short, Bregman's got great range at third, and so that will give him an advantage. But I do think I do think the ground ball rate and the new rules will hurt him a tad. ERA will go up some. Now we get the second starter. I love him and I have been drafting him everywhere. And that's Christian Javier. I'm surprised I'm getting him at as many places as I I am. But I guess when I look at it, he hasn't done what I think he's going to do. So I think he's a bargain. And so I'm a big Javier fan. He misses bats at a very high level. He's at that young age. He just got the long-term contract from Houston. He doesn't have to play for a contract. He can just go out and have fun. He doesn't have to worry about, is he going to relieve or is he going to start? Where are you going to put him? Now he gets to just start. He's one of those young. I, I like a lot of those young starters that are in their mid-20s that are ready to just bust. You know, guys like Tristan McKenzie in Cleveland, guys like Logan Gilbert in Seattle and Javier. That, that's kind of my sweet spot that I go for in most drafts because I take position <clears throat> players early.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, I love I love Javier. So when you talk about the starting pitchers, um, Javier and Valdez of Houston, yeah, I'd love to have them on my team, Howard.
0: All right. Uh, a little deeper, Luis Garcia. Hunter Brown, I do realize I, I I've kind of watched uh, some some film on Hunter Brown. Uh, seems to be having some command issues right now in, uh, in the spring. Uh, how concerned are you on that?
1: Well, I'm glad you brought it up because that is Hunter Brown. Okay, so um, he's got the stuff of an ace. He's got the stuff of being a number one starter, and he has the control and the command of being at uh, the back of the rotation in Houston or in the minor leagues. But Davey Johnson, who managed for me for many years in Cincinnati, who I don't know how many times he won 90 games, seven times in the big leagues, something like that always said that command and control is the last thing to come for these guys. And it is true. That is the case. It will come for Hunter Brown. I'm not sure it comes this year, to your point. So I'm not so sure this year isn't, you know, some some growing pains. But he's going to get the opportunity out of the out of the gate as one of their starters along with Louis Garcia and Jose Architi, Javier and Valdez, because McCullers has that elbow issue that's going to have him start the year on the injured list. So he's going to get the platform to see if he can improve in that area. But he has to improve. Now, he's got the right catcher in Maldonado putting the fingers down. He's got the right guy to help develop him. But to your point, you know, you were hoping in spring training he was going to show improvement from what he did last year, and he hasn't. Doesn't mean he can't, and he certainly would be a nice um, sleeper. Nice, you, you know the potential's there if it hits. The, and the question really isn't if, it's when. Right. Is it this year? April, June, August, or in two thousand twenty-four? And that's where you got to take
0: a guess and take a stab. All right, that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Let's move to the bullpen. Obviously, we talked about this before. Uh, Ryan Presley is the, the the top guy for saves. Uh, you like Rafael Montero as a nice little handcuff, uh, just in case anything happens. You go deeper into the pen. Uh, any interest in, uh, I mean, if you're in a, a saves-plus-holds league, uh, maybe Brian Abreu, maybe Hector narice
1: Yeah, I love Abreu stuff. I mean, it's a kind of like Hunter Brown, right? Stuff's ridiculous, like stupid stuff. So, yeah, I would take Abreu in that situation, sure. And if you're in a league that has holds or you're in a, in a point system league where – where you don't have to get saves or wins and you get you know strikeouts, ERA, those kind of things, I would take Abreu. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Abreu. But Presley's the guy you want in terms of, of closers. And it's okay if you have to reach to get a closer. This is the year to do it. In past years, I, I punted it, always. Uh-huh. This year, I kind of feel like you need to have a guy that you know is going to get you saves. Presley's one of those guys. So if you don't want to take, the, in the third round, if you don't want to go Class A or Edwin Diaz, or you don't want to take Hayter in the fourth or the fifth, and you want to wait a little bit to get the Jordan Romano's or Ryan Presley's, that's okay. But you're gonna need you're gonna need to get proven saves in drafts this year. In the past, I've always said I can stream them. Don't worry about it, I'll beat you anyway, which I have. This year, looking at the numbers, looking at the way managers are handling closers now, I'm completely changed. And I really feel like you can't be left empty
0: handed. I knew we could wear you down at some point, Jim. I knew we could do it. Um, Not happily. Mark it down, people. The moment that you just listened to this is the moment that Jim Bowden finally turned the corner on the closers. It is. It's a a tough year for it. There's no doubt about it. It's a very, very tough year for it. And with the way that these top-tier closers have been elevated in drafts, uh it's uh it's very very evident. Um all right, so all sorts of great stuff here from the uh the Houston Astros at the big league level. Jim, let's talk about their farm system, you know. What what are we looking at uh as far as uh prospects on the horizon? Uh if an if a major injury happens, is there somebody who could get come, you know, get brought up or you know, for the same token, are there prospects here that maybe if something happens that Houston has in their pocket to trade a couple of blue chips and maybe get themselves some better help.
1: Yeah, well, they certainly can do the latter as well. But I'll talk about guys that could help. So you and I talked to Dana Brown on one of our shows here and the GM of the Houston Astros, and he kept talking about Corey Lee, right? Every time we asked him about Martín Maldonado, the catcher, he kept talking about how much he likes Corey Lee. Um, He doesn't qualify as a rookie, I guess, and really not technically in the farm system. He appears to be backing up Maldonado, but Corey Lee is a guy to kind of look at as, hmm, if Maldonado doesn't hit at all, they might give Corey Lee a shot. Now, down the road, they've got a catcher named Yainer Diaz who they like more than Corey Lee, who they think's got a chance to be a guy. Um, so Yaner Diaz is a guy in a dynasty league. You may want to take a look at, maybe take a little sniff, maybe tinkle on your toenails on him. Now, in addition <laughs> to that, there's a sleeper outfielder that Dusty Baker has talked to me about in the past, and he's gonna he's under the radar and no one sees him or knows him or talks about him. But there's an outfielder by the name of Pedro Leon, who I'm told by Dusty Baker that he's got all kinds of tools. Now, I know that James Click, the former GM of the Astros, wasn't a fan. Really questioned his hit tool. Dana Brown, uh, I think, will be more open-minded on Pedro Leon than James Click was. So, I I don't know if Dusty's going to push for Leon. I don't know if Leon's going to impress Dana Brown. But just knowing that the big league manager, in this case Dusty Baker, likes him so much and likes his tools, he's kind of one guy that I'll put my right eyelash on.
0: OK. All right. I, listen, I, I like that. And I like the open mind there for uh, for Dana Brown on that. Um, Jim, true or false. Dana Brown got his first job in Major League Baseball hired by you. Well, not the first job,
1: actually. Omar Minaya actually was the first guy to hire him. But when oh. I when I went to uh, and took over the Washington Nationals baseball team, um, I, the Omar Minaya went to the New York Mets and the first guy he came calling was Dana Brown wanting him. And I uh, did not give permission. I signed Dana to a three-year contract and I told Omar Minaya, because at that point the nationals were being sold, um, and I didn't want to stay in the way of employees. So I told Omar, he could have any employee he wanted in the baseball operations front office from when he was there, except Dana Brown. <laughs> but if you want anybody else, you can have every, anybody and everybody, but you can't have Dana. And I told Dana this at the time, and I told Dana that I would take care of him. And he has ever been grateful and thanked me because in all his years, he never got a three-year deal from anybody. Not with the Blue Jays, not with the Braves, and uh, he, he's always been very appreciative. So I'm a big fan of Dana. I'm rooting for him in this job. I know he can do it. He's done everything in this sport. And so I think he's ready for the challenge and he certainly has the cards to win with Howard. I mean, I I, I'd like to go to Vegas with the hand he's been dealt.
0: I'll tell you that right now. Definitely been dealt a fantastic hand. I mean, come on. I mean, he just took over the, the, the world series champions, um, and he's got a stacked lineup and he's got great pitching. So I like that. Um, so you have strong knowledge of Dana Brown and the type of GM he has, uh, that, that he is, um, is he going to be aggressive? Like if there's oh, a yeah. need, is he going to fill that immediately?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, he'll pull the trigger. The question is, you know, how much power does the owner Jim Crane have? I mean, I get the impression this is Jim Crane's team, uh, that he's the Jerry Jones of the Houston Astros. And he's the one that's going to make the final calls. And Dana's is going to bring his ideas. Now I will tell you that Dana will fight and argue for what he wants to do. And he will be relentless in doing that, but this is Jim Crane's baseball team. And so I can't promise the deals he wants to make are going to get done, as is the case with a lot of major league teams. But I can tell you if he has the power and was given the autonomy to make the moves, he will absolutely pull the trigger. He will trade the prospects. He will promote the prospects. He will take the high school long shot 16 year old. He is not afraid. And that's the one thing I love about Dana Brown. He likes athletes. He's not afraid. And he's developed into really one of the best evaluators in the game. And, and to, to the point of that, the Braves don't have Spencer Strider or Michael Harris, the second without Dana Brown. And, and Alex Anthopoulos, the president of the Braves, has told me that five different times. <laughs> it was Dana that got those guys. And it was Dana that pushed for them. And Dana's the one that pushed them to the big leagues, too. So they've got the right evaluator in Houston, uh, without a doubt. Now the question is, will the owner allow him the power to do the job, which isn't
0: the case in a lot of franchises. Have we ever seen a major league ball club win back-to-back World Series with two different GMs?
1: Not back-to-back, but we've seen the Boston Red Sox and their ownership win two World Series with Theo Epstein, They won a World Series with Ben Charrington. They won a World Series with Dave Dombrowski. So we've seen the Red Sox ownership group win World Championships with three different World Series. Maybe Jim Crane is trying to tie that record.
0: Very interesting to see what happens there. All right, let's wrap up our coverage of the Houston Astros. One fantasy sleeper, one fantasy bust, Jim. I'm going Christian Javier as my sleeper. I love him. I love the strikeouts. I think he's
1: got a chance to be an ace. Can't wait to watch him this year develop. I've got him everywhere. This is this is the year I got Christian Javier everywhere. Uh, I like him a lot better than the ADP, um, so I'm in on him. My bust, I'm going to go Jeremy Pena, but I, I want everyone to know, look, I love Jeremy Pena. I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. I respect what he did being the World Series MVP. Uh, it was one of my favorite interviews of last year, being on the field and interviewing him right after the World Championship. It was a tremendous series by him. Baseball is really hard. It's not as easy as you think. I think year two for a lot of young players is going to be hard. Jeremy Payne still has some holes. And I think a lot of teams are going to be watching him and pitching to him differently than they did this past year. I think there'll be regression with Jeremy Payne in year two. And then I think in year three, he'll have his best year in the big leagues. But if I'm looking at the shortstop category and I'm looking at the alternatives that are there, I think people that are taking Jeremy Peña ahead of a lot of good shortstops are making a mistake. I think he'll be the bust.
0: All right, okay, you like him, but not the guy that uh, that everybody thinks that he is. That makes. Uh, Complete sense. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right, that's going to do it for our coverage here of the Houston Astros. As always, you can hear all of our MLB team breakdowns uh, just on the SXM app. Search Fantasy Alarm or just go to FantasyAlarm.com and go to the MLB Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide, which is 100% free, and look for the front office insights. So uh, for Jim Bowden, I'm Howard Bender. Uh, we'll catch you next time here on SiriusXM XM Fantasy Sports Radio.